Welcome to Telltales, an investing podcast hosted by Hunt Lawrence, Jason Wallace, and Mike Nicoletti. Each week, we discuss topics ranging from geopolitics and macroeconomics to energy and technology. You can sign up for our newsletter at telltales.us. That's T-E-L-L-T-A-L-E-S dot U-S for additional data and content you can use to follow along. The following conversation is intended for informational purposes only. You should always do your own work to determine if an investment is suitable for you. Right. Right. Good. I think it's 3.30. Let's start. Natural gas pricing is weak. We could use some weather. Uh, we could also use the Freeport LNG plant, which is two Bs a day, which is like 2% of our demand, to come back on. They say they've got FERC permission to start, start it up, but it takes, you know, couple of weeks to put an LNG facility back on. The statistics I've seen for oversupply of natural gas range from assuming Freeport is back on one and a half fees a day to higher. The higher ones are kind of alarming. The near month price for natural gas has come from like $7 down to $3.50. We have a contango now in natural gas. The price out a couple of years is still in the four, four and a quarter range. So contangos do happen. It's not all backwardation. The natural gas stocks, which we're going to talk about in a second, are on page 12. For those of you who have a, a recent copy of the, what is now 19 pages and with an index. On oil pricing, a troublesome thing. I mean, the good, good thing is China's reopened. And we'll probably touch on that later when we get into uh, chip stocks. But the uh, that's good for oil because there will be more demand as compared to when they were on lockdown. The bad news is that from an oil price point of view is there's no real curtailment of Russian production despite the price cap and sanctions and whatnot. The oil just kind of moves to China while moving to Europe. On the other hand, you know, oil's pretty well established in the 70s. We have three oil stocks here, EOG, Magnolia, and Permian. We'll talk about those in a little bit. We've lost Max, who held forth on the debt ceiling last week. I'm trying to do a note on debt ceiling, but I have to update some information. It used to be in the 30-page memo, and that is revenues and expenses for the uh, federal government. I hope to get that done and complete the note and send both of them out. I think I think when when we get it done, I don't know whether it'll get done by next week, but we'll we'll send it out along with the um, along with the 20 pages. We're trying to tackle. I'm trying to tackle three companies a weekend. The ones for this weekend are kind of kind of gamey. I, I'd say by comparison with the other three, it's uh, Uber and DoorDash and Airbnb. I've had a chance to glance through the files. They're not quite as cash flow negative as I was expecting, but we'll have those on page 20 by next week. In talking with Mike over the last two mornings, I thought one of the things we could do is go quickly through the 18 pages and then we'll circle back on some of the pages with Mike and Jason. But I'm going to give you a quick take and then going to ask Mike and Jason to weigh in on where on each of the pages. I plan, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through these pages in like five minutes. 
where we think the companies will have better 23 results than 20 results. Page one is Apple, Alphabet, and Tesla. Mike's going to talk to Tesla later. I, I, I think these might be break even. I mean, it's it's conceivable all three companies might have somewhat better 23s and 22s. The next page, page two, is the software companies. Microsoft just announced, I think despite the disappointment in their guidance, they could be somewhat higher in 23 than 22. Salesforce, Mike and Jason are going to have to speak to. Snowflake will see results. Oracle with their acquisitions will probably have stronger 23. Third page is the chip stocks. Mike and Jason can hold forth on AMD and NVIDIA. Why don't we come back to that? I think there's a fair chance they'll each have a better 23 and 24. Page four is Netflix, Disney, and Amazon. Don't know about Disney. Netflix has announced and I think is predicting a better 23. I think Amazon has come through a lot, a lot of downsizing they overbuilt for uh, COVID and whatnot. I think there's a pretty good chance they have a better 23. Next page is Charter and Comcast, page five, flattish. Next page is page six, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. T-Mobile's taking market share. I would expect that of the three, they might do a little better. Um, next page is page seven. MasterCard, Visa, and PayPal. PayPal, I think, is a bit of a mess. MasterCard and Visa just seem to grind it out every year. So next page after that is the retailers, page eight. Walmart might do better. Target's got their own set of issues. Lowe's and Home Depot, kind of like MasterCard and Visa, they always seem to grind out somewhat better results. Now we get into the energy companies where I have some pretty good background. I do not think Exxon, Chevron, and Conoco will, they, they'll all have reduced cash flow in 23. It's just a matter of lower gas pricing and probably based on the futures, lower oil realizations. I'd have the same comment on the midstream companies, KMI, Enterprise, and, and Energy Transfer, just going to be hard for them. They tried to be all fee-based, but there is some commodity price impact in there. And, it, it'll be pretty, pretty, pretty weak. Not, not a lot weak. EOG, Magnolia, Permian Resources, Permian Resources very early, but I think EOG and Magnolia are doing a great job of trying to increase production. But I mean, their cash flow will be lower. They spend way less than their cash flow, so that's good. The gas stocks on page 12, Antero, EQ2, and Chesapeake. Once again, they are going to have lower gas pricing. Most of them swearing off hedging, but these are still pretty strong companies. If you own them, I wouldn't be chased out of them. I mean, uh, what you need is more of that LNG export to get finished quicker. The financial stocks on page 13, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, they didn't have a very good 22. I would expect their 23 to be somewhat better, even with reduced investment activity. Page 14, Cat and Deer, Generac. Generac's kind of in a world of its own. Cat and Deer will probably be a little bit flattish, I would think, even declines in CapEx. The drug companies on page 15, they're, you know, Pfizer and Moderna, I mean, how can they possibly sell as much vaccine, COVID vaccine in 23 as they did in 22? 
William and Mark, a little different story. The restaurant companies, McDonald's, Starbucks, and Chipotle, probably more people out and about worldwide. They probably all do a little better. Uh, FedEx, UPS, Nike, Costco, once again, very strong companies probably will be okay. The one star here is on the next page, 18, Albemarle, given the price of lithium, is going to be much stronger. Now, it is based on cash flow <clears throat> run rate. They're trading for 25 times free cash flow, which, which is a lot, especially for a miner. CF Industries, which is a similar kind of company, ammonia business, trading for five times free cash flow. But, but there is some significant upside to the price of lithium in the near term. The latest page, United Health, CVS, and Regeneron. Regeneron's, you know, pharmaceutical company. CVS has got some issues because they have drugstores and opiate litigation. United Health basically runs an awful lot of their income as is, is managing Medicare and Medicaid programs for the government. They're a little bit like MasterCard and Visa. They're very predictable. With that, I'd like to kind of go through some of this stuff with Mike and Jason and get their comments. Why don't we direct ourselves to page one? Mike, how about Tesla, even with the price cuts? Do you think that their 23 cash flow will be more than their 22 cash flow? Yeah, we do. Well, if, if you remember, if you look at the cash flow on that sheet, you'll see that they're spending pretty much everything on CapEx because there's a lot of growth CapEx. We use actual depreciation as an approximation for replacement CapEx. So, and the reason we're comfortable doing that is that we're comfortable that the CapEx that they're spending has a positive ROI. So I, I do think that Tesla's margins are actually fairly safe this most recent quarter and they're going to report either tonight or tomorrow they're going to report very good numbers prices were very high their their gross margin on some of their cars is going to be more like software margin closer to 40 or 50 percent i think realistically a, a, a more realistic long-term margin for them is in the 23 to 25 percent range and we think post cuts, this is based on someone else's analysis where they actually took an entire Tesla Model Y apart and did a, an estimate as to what they think Tesla's cost of goods are. They estimate that that gross margin is about 33% after the price cuts. So Tesla's got lots of margins to work with. They're probably in the best position of any American or European automaker when it comes to building electric vehicles. And I, I call out American and European, because they do have serious competition in China. BYD is a very formidable competitor, and they're probably the only one that has the ability to produce a car cheaper and as high quality. I'm interested to see when they announce their Gen 3 platform. So they, they say that they, a car spends 48 seconds or thereabouts at each assembly line location where the rule of thumb for the for the bigger automakers is about a minute at each station. They want to cut their time in half with the new platform, which they're going to be cranking out cars maybe three times the rate of of you know the the traditional manufacturers. So that'll be really interesting interesting to see what what they do there. The Model S hasn't been updated in in a very long time, and 
at some point they're going to have to refresh that model line and move it to a more modern assembly line, modern flat platform. Maybe that's their Gen 4 platform, but that'll definitely increase the margins on the S. Hey, yeah, uh, Jason, uh, Alphabet's announced some job cuts and presumably been kind of in semi-crisis mode ever since October and the, and the AI software, chat software became available. How, how, forget about the stock price, do you think Google will see any impact in the near term 23, 24 and their cash flow from Microsoft's backing of the uh, AI software? I'm inclined to say no. I, I don't think they make a drastic change to their, their search business in the near term. And if they do, I think they're not going to do it in a way that they're going to erode their existing business. I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of waited and see what, what Microsoft came out with. I, th- I think, and the reason being is it's, it's too cost prohibitive to, to run an open AI chat GPT search for every, every Google search. If you try to use the chat GPT test bed now, it, I've waited weeks to be able to, to get in there and ask it a question. It's just, they're throttling it so much because of the, the costs are, you know, unconstrained. Can, let's skip Apple for a moment till we see the report. Um, this has to be somewhat of a plus for Microsoft, maybe not in the near term, but over on page two, I mean, it, it, you would think that it would enable them to sell their products or get higher subscription fees or what's your take on that, Jason? Yeah, I, like, like you said, I think they'll just turn it out they they run the business world. Uh, I think a big impact to them will be slowing PC sales. Everyone bought PCs in 2020, 2021. I don't think, and they've said that they expect sales to go back to pre-COVID numbers, which were pretty bad. So that's going to be a, a big headwind for them is, is selling new Windows licenses on PCs. Okay. I was going to add on, on page two there, my favorite of the list is actually Oracle. You know, the, the boring old tech company, I think it has uh, a few things quietly going for it. They're the fourth largest cloud provider uh, and it's growing. And the big thing in my mind is their acquisition last year of Cerner, which is a, an electronic health record company. The Cerner, you know, the big tech companies are taking their lumps this year, but Cerner took theirs in 2021 when all the hospitals and clinics were shut down and they were not, they weren't buying you know, new EHR systems. So I think there's going to be growth ahead for them and it's a, it's a big profitable business for them now. Yeah. And Salesforce has picked up an activist. I think Mike and Jason have owned Salesforce and then sold it. You think the activist makes a difference, Mike? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the activists, it's the right thing for the activists to do. I think our, our conclusion, unfortunately, is that Salesforce hasn't really had to go through a crisis before, and their company culture is not going to smoothly handle this next phase of software. We believe that this, the next couple of years are sort of going to be a litmus test for software companies to show that cash flow generation and costs scale relative to revenue and that generate a lot more cash flow over time as, as you grow. And if you look at a company like Salesforce, 
they've explicitly continued to reinvest in growth over time, and they were able to grow through the financial crisis fairly well. But this time it'll be a little bit different. They're far more saturated than they were. And the amount of headcount that they've added in the last couple of years, something like 60% of employees have been there less than three years. The the layoffs so far don't even scratch the surface. Um, So Benioff's the right person to do it. The, The activists that are circling, it's Elliott Management and Value Act, I believe. It, it's a very logical play for a big activist fund, I think. Look at the difference, $32 billion of revenue in Salesforce, $13 billion of sales expense, and then Oracle, $46 billion of revenue and $9 billion of sales expense. You know, now granted, as Jason said, Oracle's old tech, and I guess Salesforce has a better reputation for being new tech, but, you know, you, you would think that they'd be able to make some progress on getting a lower ratio of sales to uh, revenue. Uh, chip companies. guess the favorite on this list, my guess is going to be, despite you people being NVIDIA fans, is in terms of 23 results versus 22, AMD might might get the nod or what do you think jason i i wouldn't disagree with that they definitely have the same issue with pc slowdown uh that microsoft has but they're just you know kind of dominating intel right now yeah a lot of tailwinds going into this next year where there's still slated to be a lot of data center spend and this year AMD will likely take more share in the data center than they have in previous previous years. Right. Right. And NVIDIA, you know, when I did these numbers, they were 112 and now they're 185 or 90 or something. But I mean, how much of the NVIDIA run-up do you think relates to these open AI programs and the, 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 the theory that you know, you need a lot more GPUs to, to, uh, to, 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 you know, basically in service centers for service centers to be able to handle the, uh, the, the traffic or, you know, somehow try to reduce the expense that Jason pointed to, or is that more of a 24 event rather than a 23 event? I think it would be a 23 event. And I think that's a lot of, that is a lot of the run up. It's just, pub, you know, it's it's publicized how important NVIDIA A100 cards are in, in training these large language models. Um, it's brought it to the forefront and everyone's now equating the two. Right. Right. Uh, over on page four, Disney has a, an activist who can't get a board seat. You have the former CEO back in his position. Not a great deal of cash flow, trying hard to play catch up with Netflix. Reasonably good Netflix results announced. Amazon's really, you know, is here because of Amazon Prime. But between Netflix and Disney, I I assume the two of you would probably lean a bit towards Netflix, given the lead they have over Disney. 
Yeah, at least from a streaming perspective, that's certainly right. Disney, the content for the two businesses is dramatically different. Disney's content is monetizable over a longer period of time than Netflix, at least so far. There has been some talk that in this industry, in the course of the next couple of years, we're going to see some consolidation. There's a handful of streaming companies that probably don't stand much of a chance to survive the next two years. And that will probably shift the business model a little bit. And the theory, the running theory that we're hearing is that it will be highly likely that companies like Netflix will license their content to other providers like Roku and other streaming because there's there's any marginal income generated from those old titles that aren't really driving new customers to the Netflix platform is incremental and they ought to monetize it better. The flip side is all these companies that have set up their own streaming business like Peacock or some of these other ones that are pretty small and niche and, and don't have a strong business fundamentals and a lot of debt, they're going to be in a lot of trouble and it's likely that they will capitulate and want to license their content to a company like Netflix. So if that happens, the whole ecosystem will probably be more healthy. It will probably favor Netflix's incumbency. I think it you, you have a potential that some of that content might not be totally worthless in the way that when I look at their content spending today, it's like they're basically just hoping for home runs, right? Stuff that makes people sign up for for Netflix. And I, I, I've never really liked that business model because I think that's a hard business model. But it is likely that that could shift going forward, and I think that's what we want to watch. Right. Right. One of the beneficiaries who get on to page five of streaming have been uh, the uh, Charter and Comcast, and they're not really cable companies anymore. They're, they're internet delivery companies, and they both have pretty good cash flow. You can see uh, Charter's running $13 billion a year, and Comcast is running $24. It's interesting, uh, Mike making a distinction between content and delivery of the content in Comcast to in the content business has Universal and DC and, and, and whatnot. Their delivery is is the cable and which you know delivering delivering the signal to twenty five million houses in the US and I don't know, ten or fifteen and sky and in the UK and Europe. But look at the difference. I mean it's twenty billion free cash flow in the delivery and out of twenty four totals. So. Both these stocks are up from when we looked at them in mid-October. Still kind of challenged because when we move to the next page, T-Mobile has a service where they deliver a similar service in terms of bandwidth and whatnot, wireless. And the the, the question, I I suppose, is how much of a threat is that to the to uh, Charter and Comcast? The answer is, you know, to be determined. I guess I'm curious to. Get Jason's commentary on that. To me, T-Mobile is doing this with extra capacity and and won't pursue it. But over to you, Jason, for your and, thoughts on that. And I, I, that and that's true. Um, that's what we believe as well. And we don't see them really being a huge competitor to to Comcast or Charter. But the reason I will say wait and see is is because there's a company in India doing 5G wireless internet that 
they claim they're going to be able to provide India internet service to the entirety of the Indian population wirelessly. So if that's actually possible and capable, there's, you know, that, that kind of proves that there's not that barrier that we believe there is today. We're not going to make it through uh, the 18 pages. We're on page seven. Thomas, next Wednesday, we will start on page eight with the retailers. I think MasterCard and Visa are good companies to end on. You can see that they're, they, you, you're, they're expensive. You have to pay 25 times free cash flow. But despite all the payments disruptors, including PayPal, and, and you know, using blockchain to try to compete with payment systems like MasterCard and Visa, these people are seem to be able to maintain their margins and 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 have you know ten or eleven percent free cash flow growth no matter <laughs> no matter what kind of efforts are made to try to supplant them. And with that Jason do you if you had to guess five years from now or 10 years from now, will that still be the case? Or what's your, what's your thought on, on the whole subject of payments, you know, on a worldwide basis? Good question. I don't think crypto is the answer. And I think the, you know, kind of the underlying payment systems will solve that problem. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to shift currency between nations and, it shouldn't be as difficult as it is. Specifically to, to PayPal, I'll say there's in, increased competition there with um, like Amazon, for example, is is opening up their payment system to other websites. So where you thought PayPal was kind of the de facto payment system on the internet, it's turning out to no longer be the case. Mike, what's your five, 10 year projection prediction here? You know, the payment networks were a big innovation when they came about and very technologically forward back then. I haven't seen anything that tells me that the status quo is going to change. When, when these came about, the concept was pretty unique. Like you could go somewhere and without cash buy something. And they've accomplished that 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 job, right? That's the job to be done. Additional innovation within payment infrastructure is really challenging to accomplish while also accomplishing an aspect of security and recourse, which none of, neither of which were really solved by crypto. So I'd say we're probably going to be in the same position, barring a 10x better solution. Yeah. Good. Well, we chewed through the the 30 minutes. Thanks for everyone uh, listening. Uh, be well, stay healthy. We will we will start next Wednesday on page eight, and we will be pretty active. I, I was noticing the early pages are kind of stale. They they should have been updated. We shouldn't be sitting here with 6:30 numbers. And as we build out the pages, I don't know how many more pages there'll be than 20, but as we build out the pages, we'll get more active going back and, and updating these. At this point, you know, some of the six month results are all an update to nine months. We're now almost the first of February. We might as well wait for the 12 month results to come in. 
But thanks for everyone's attention, and we'll talk again next Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again next week as we will be back on Wednesday. As a reminder, nothing on this podcast should be considered investment advice. You should always do your own work to determine if an investment is suitable for you. The views expressed on this podcast are the hosts alone and do not constitute an offer to sell or a recommendation to purchase or a solicitation of an offer to buy, any security nor a recommendation for any investment product or service. While certain information contained herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, neither the hosts nor any of their employers or their affiliates have independently verified this information and its accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Accordingly, no representation or warranty expressed or implied is made as to and no reliance should be placed on the fairness, accuracy, timeliness, or completeness of this information. The hosts and all employers and their affiliated persons assume no liability for this information and no obligation to update the information or analysis contained herein in the future and may or may not hold positions in the securities mentioned. Thank you.